This is an Equity Mates Media podcast. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Equity Mates! I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is you Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast where we help you learn to invest in roughly 45 minutes or less. <laughs> we break down the world of investing from beginning to dividend so that you can hopefully make some returns. My name's Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How's it going, bro? It's very good, Bryce. I am excited to be here once again with you. Always excited. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, listeners are noticing... Uh, remarkably clear audio experience. <laughs> we hope. Yeah, the episode we released last Thursday for us, last last week when this comes out, we weren't particularly happy with. No. And I'm sure most listeners weren't particularly happy with it either. Um, so we apologise for that. Yes. And we're uh, working on repenting. <laughs> and hopefully this this episode is, you know, goes part of the way to... Uh, making it up to you all. Yes. So, if you've just joined the show, this is the standard of audio audio quality that you should come to expect from now. Don't don't listen to last Thursday's app. (laughs) If you have just joined the show, welcome to our journey of investing. Welcome to the community of Equity Mates, where we are all about breaking down the barriers to, to the markets and making them as accessible as possible to everyone. So, today, Ren, we've kind of missed or overshot tax time. In the in sense of the end of the tax year was end of June. I think you have until mid-October to get your tax return in. I think that's right. Not everyone's a keen bean like you, Bryce. <laughs> <laughs> I actually waited longer than any what, year I had. 5th of July this time. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ren, today we haven't addressed tax this year. Usually we do a tax return episode each year. Today. Usually. we what We've been through three... Hey. Yeah, that's, uh, that's not bad. Three, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tradition's tradition. Yeah. <laughs> so today we are going to do something slightly different. Rather than go through all things tax and investing, we're just going to discuss what we have done with our tax return. Yeah, it's a, it's a question that we get occasionally and it's not something that we can answer specifically for people when they contact us because we're not financial professionals. We don't give financial advice. So we thought rather than just giving people the wholly unsatisfactory answer of, sorry, we can't help you, we thought maybe we would do an episode on 
what we have done personally with our tax return and then also uh, speak to some of our equity mates and find out what they have they have done with theirs. Now, it goes without saying, but obviously we don't know your personal circumstances. This is all general and this is all what we do in our personal lives, speak to a financial professional. So yeah, look, we, we think it's, it's a very rare circumstance that you get a lump sum in your account. If you're lucky enough to do so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not everyone gets large lump sums. Yes. <laughs> or, or small lump sums. Some people end up owing money. That is true. That is true. Well, then this episode probably isn't for you. <laughs> this episode is probably just rubbing salt in the wounds. <laughs> but maybe you can take the lessons and apply it to another time that you get a large lump sum in your account. My housemate, Ren, is uh, avoiding doing his tax returns because I think two years ago he found out that he owed the tax office about $3,000. So rather than face up to the fact and pay for it, he has avoided doing tax returns from here on in. So I, I, I don't think you are allowed to do that. I know you seem to think that somehow he's allowed to, but... I don't know if he's allowed I, I to. I think you have to put a tax return in every year. Yeah, I think you're right, Ren. I know that you, for a number of reasons, you don't have to lodge a return, but at some point it will all catch up with you and, and then they lodge it all t- at, at one point in time and you'll owe probably even more money. <laughs> <laughs> Do not take tax advice from this podcast. Anyway, Ren, let's- <laughs> Do let's, not let's, listen to my code. Let's actually talk about our return and what we did with it, maybe from an investing standpoint, even if we didn't do anything from an investing standpoint, it'd be interesting to understand what, what you did. So do you want to kick it off? Yeah. So I have a credit card and it is the bane of my existence and I'm working to get rid of it as quickly as possible. So most of the tax return I put straight onto the debt the reason, the, the main reason for that is interest rates on credit cards are just stupid. What, they're like 19% or something. And making 19% a year in the market is a really good year. Paying 19% a year on whatever credit card debt I owe is guaranteed. So for me, it made more sense to wipe that debt first. I put a little bit in my IG account. I haven't haven't done anything with it yet. It's just sitting there in cash and I plan to invest it at some point. But for me, focusing on, you know, we hate we hate fees and we can control unnecessary costs. And so focusing on just clearing that credit card and snapping it in half and never using it again is top of my priority list. Nice. I am similar. I had a small amount on the credit card that I got rid of. Yeah? You're down to zero? Down to zero, yeah. Mate, you're so good. (laughs) (laughs) Down to zero, but having cut it up or snapped it up, to your point, you know, having it sitting there and paying 20% interest on it or whatever, stupid. So I cleared that, had a little leftover, we're off to Japan. So going to put some towards that, bit of a holiday, treat yourself kind of moment. Yeah, I like it, I like it. Um, And then... The remainder are now sitting in my investing account as well. Um, haven't haven't so made any purchases. You paid off your whole credit card. You're funding a trip to Japan and you're investing. Jeez, not someone fu- does all right for themselves. <laughs> not funding. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say funding the trip to Japan. No, no. <laughs> it's it's going towards the trip yes, to Japan. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. So historically, though, if I was to look back over the last couple of years, 
obviously any debts as well, I like to clear using the tax return. And then last year, it also also went into actually just a cash account at that point in time. Because you remember, I was quite bearish on the whole whole situation. (laughs) Since then, I'm sure it's been muddled up and moved into the investing equities at some point. But uh, yeah, historically speaking, it's generally a a debt clearance and then an investing approach. And is there any reason why you go in that order? Uh, Exactly for your reasons. Like, I also kind of think it's maybe a psychological thing. Like, for some reason, I mean, it may be the same in your situation as well. We probably have the cash available to clear amount of the debt as it stands, but there's something about taking it out of your investing account to clear the debt for me that's sort of like this weird psychological... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's as if I've apportioned, like, said that's for investing and then you take yeah. it out and you're like, shit. Yeah, yeah. And so then when it's almost like this free money kind of tax return comes in, you're just like, I take the opportunity just to sack it, get rid of it. Yeah, that's the reason why I actually fund my whole existence on a credit card and put all my money into my investing account. Because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've got more invested. Don't you listen to Ren for budgeting <laughs> advice. <laughs> so there's definitely a like a mathematical reason and it's just that the interest that you pay on high interest debt is really financially crippling but then uh, yeah there's definitely a psychological reason as well i think dave ramsey is he's like a big u.s radio host who does like a financial show and he talks about just the psychological effect of paying back debts and just like closing out some of those you know if you've got like six or seven different debts, credit card, car loan, mortgage, whatever it is, just clearing some of those off your books completely and like the, the effect that that has on how in control you feel of your whole financial situation. Yeah, big time. And yeah, so for me, clearing this credit card is just going to be a weight off my shoulders and then we'll go to Japan and I'll probably start putting stuff back on <laughs> Mind you, I've never had more than one credit card and I have always no. have small limit on the card so that like, it can never be just... Like, you know, some of our mates have like $30,000 limit and stuff, which, I mean, I don't know what everyone's situation is, but for me, that's just... Yeah, that's too much. Ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. But anyway, so that's what we've done this year. We have reached out to our equity mate community, to some of our expert investors to get their opinion on, and I guess thoughts on what they do with their tax returns And so I think what we'll do, Ren, is listen to a few of them now, maybe comment what we think and then wrap it up. Sounds good. So who have we got first? We've got Louise Bedford. Yeah, so Louise joined us on the show a few months ago. She was otherwise known as the Queen of Candlesticks. Yeah. Loved day trading. She ran her own sort of masterclass online. And yeah, I think it'll be interesting to hear what she has to say. Louise Bedford here best-selling author of several books on the share market. So you've received a tax return. Just what should you do? If you're like the majority of people, they go, heck, free money, I'm just going to spend it. But for goodness sake, don't be like the majority of the people. To live an extraordinary life, you need to set yourself apart from that majority So the first thing to do is if you have any credit card debt, put that money towards your credit card debt. Keep 10% though, I'm about to tell you what to do with that 10%. If you have several loans or several credit cards, find the highest percent rate that you're being charged and put that money 
on that card because that will give you the biggest kick over the long run. Now, let's say you don't have any personal loans and you don't have any credit card debt. I would be putting that money towards your own personal financial literacy education. But keep that 10% as I mentioned. You want to do something that's special for yourself and perhaps the people who've supported you along the way. Get something that could be either personally meaningful, an experience or a gift to show someone in your life that you care for them. Now, what will this do for you? It will help keep you out of debt. It will help keep your future self happy because you're providing education and it will give you an attitude of abundance because by thinking of the people who help us along the way, we grow ourselves. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com code program. Nice. Well, Ren, I from that, I guess I'm expecting some sort of gift to be coming oh, my way. I was about to make the same <laughs> joke to you. <laughs> We've been doing this podcast together too long. <laughs> so what are your thoughts? Well, I think Louise is the kind of person that could sell ice to an Eskimo. I, I want to live an extraordinary life. <laughs> she, she, uh, she's very motivating. But no, I think her advice is, well, her, her thoughts are, are really good. I think, you know, we touched on the whole paying down debt thing. So great minds think alike, I guess. You know, investing in your financial literacy, I think is a good advice. You could probably generalize it a bit more and say, invest in personal growth, whatever it is. You probably don't need to invest in financial literacy because you're already listening to this podcast and exactly. we, we don't charge you for it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a really good way to think about it. Yeah, I mean, from a framework point of view, strategy point of view, I feel like we followed pretty well what she was talking about there. Pay down the debt, choose the one that has the highest interest rate, treat yourself yeah, and then buy each other a gift. Yeah, well, <laughs> what are you going to get me? Mate, I might I might buy you some sushi in Japan. Oh, there you go. <laughs> With my tax return. There, there you, go. you go. All right. So that's Louise. Who else have we got? Next up, we've got Ted Richards. Yep. So premiership player for the Sydney Swans. He's been on the show a couple of times. Yeah. Let's hear what he has to say. Equity, mate. Okay. What would I do with my tax return? 
let's assume that you don't have any bad debt like credit cards as bad debt like that really should be paid off first. And let's also acknowledge that there's probably something that you really want to buy right now. Could be a big ticket item like a um, new car or something like that or something smaller like a new pair of headphones. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. There's always going to be one more thing that you want and you can probably think of one right now. This is called lifestyle creep. I played football professionally for 16 years. I was amazed with how so often my teammates' contracts, well, they jumped up and became really big. So too would their spending patterns, which would jump up at just the same level too. So even though they were making big money, often they were spending big money too. So remember, it's not what you earn, it's what you burn. So with this in mind, I'd avoid the temptation to spend on the now and I'd set up an investment portfolio for the future. Now, you may feel the urge to invest and load up on something flashy like some cryptocurrency, some new hot tech IPO, or some small small mining company. I'd steer clear of this. I'd keep it simple, focus on proven asset classes, getting diversified, and keeping fees low. So I'd use ETFs to get exposure to Aussie and international shares, property, infrastructure, and also defensive assets in there too, like bonds, which I know are boring, but they can provide resilience to your portfolio over time. Great thing is portfolios like this, which I've just mentioned over all these asset classes, can actually be set up for a fraction of the price that it once cost with online providers out there like Six Park and others. Now, full disclosure, I am biased. I work with Six Park. But the example I want to provide here is if if you set up and create a portfolio with Six Park with, say, $10,000 in it, you'll only pay $50 a year for it to be looked after for you. That's half a percent. And who knows what this might grow to in, say, five or 10 years' time. If you don't want to use an online provider, you can always do it yourself. But I think for 50 bucks, it's a pretty decent set-and-forget strategy to have it professionally managed for you. So that's what I'd do. Will you get rich by investing your tax return like this? No. But you'll be creating a nest egg for yourself in life that will grow. This could be the start of something that you'll add to over over the years. Could be a life skill that you'll build on. Who knows what it'll grow to. But just like studying for an exam, often the hardest part is just starting. Sitting down and getting it done and that's how I'd invest my tax return. Nice, Teddy. Yeah. <laughs> I want to hear some stories about footy players' lifestyle crate. True. Yeah, I've noticed your lifestyle's been cracking <laughs> a little bit recently. Unfortunately, my income hasn't, though, Ren. Yeah. So. <laughs> so I like that. Different take. I mean, started out pretty similar to how Louise started and how we think about it, obviously paying down any of those bad debts that you may have. Yeah, I think that I think it's a common theme that, we will hear over and over again. And it's important to recognise, I guess, the difference between bad debt and, I guess, good debt. What's good debt? I guess debt that is perhaps structured in a way that you can manage it properly and with with proper cash flow. So, for example, your mortgage, you have set payments at, I guess, much more affordable interest rates, whereas a credit card, you don't have a requirement to pay it back and so it can build up and build up over time and the interest rate is obviously a lot higher. And I also think that the way I would classify good debt as well is if it's actually going towards another asset, whereas bad debt, for example, credit card, personal loan, is more more likely that you've bought a flight or 
you know, something that's not really going to generate you any income or return later on down the track. Yeah. And this may be wrong, but as I understand it, credit card interest will compound. Yeah. Yeah. So the 20% interest that you're charged will get added to the debt that you owe. Yeah. And so then your next interest payment will include the previous interest unless you paid it off in that time. So it'll it'll compound and it'll snowball. Whereas with mortgages, there's probably no benefit in paying it off earlier. I think for some mortgages, yeah, they almost discourage you paying off. It just sits in your offset account is what I understand. Mm. Anyway, mortgages we're, not here, to, we're not here to yeah, talk yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. No, but it's an interesting one. Good debt v bad debt. There's probably some merit to it, but it's not something I've ever really thought about as no, a distinction. No. Yeah. But what about Ted's, I guess, strategy of... Re- resisting the urge to splash the cash when you get it. What did he say? It's not about what you earn, it's about what you burn. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah, he said don't invest in crypto though. So I don't know what you and him are not on the same page then, I guess. <laughs> Small exposure to crypto, Ren. <laughs> and look, I think there are instances where it is difficult to, I guess, not go out and buy that new bike or whatever it may be. But I certainly agree with his philosophy that if you can put it away now and get in that mindset of set and forget um, a month after getting your tax return, you're really not going to notice the difference between that new bike or not, to be honest, in my opinion. And you're definitely going to notice the difference between having a nest egg growing now than starting to grow it in 10 years' time. Yeah. I mean, you'll probably notice the new bike because like you'll see it every day. You might ride it a lot. I keep my bike in my cupboard, so. (laughs) It's an investment. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, it it just, it really reinforces the message that we keep talking about, which is, you know, delayed gratification, the the benefits of long-term investing. I didn't even mind the shameless plug, to be honest. Yeah. Look, it reinforced to me that there's a number of products out there that you can really access pretty cheap. Yeah. 50 bucks. I mean, gee, it's pretty cheap. It is. You can spend some of your tax return on it. <laughs> <laughs> True. All right, Ren. Well, lucky last two have we got? We've got Mark Bernberg. Oh, yeah. One of our, I guess, more most popular episodes that we've done this year. He, yeah. was, he was the expert in cannabis. He runs the Green Fund. Not that our other two guests weren't popular. No, not at all. Mark just has a structural advantage with the topic that he's talking about, yeah. I feel. And a very entertaining guy to yeah, talk to. Yeah, yeah. So very keen to hear what he has to say. Yes. I'm sure it involves cannabis. <laughs> What should you do with your tax return? Hi, I'm Mark Bernberg, founder and CEO of thegreenfund.com. And it's a great question. And it's one that I normally give quite a bit of thought to as we move into the new financial year. Uh, From my perspective, what I do is I always take a little piece of my return and put it back into into my offset account for my primary residence. Nothing is more important than your home. And... You know, always, always protect your home more than anything else. So I, I like to just stabilize my offset account and, uh, you know, just top that up a little bit. And then for me from there, I very much like to invest it into the equity markets. Some of you know, or some of you may not know, I'm very heavily invested in the cannabis industry and cannabis stocks in general. And so most of my tax return gets reinvested back into my two portfolios. My one is a sort of more short-term and medium-term portfolio, much more, much more opportunistic in nature, a lot more spe- speculative, but opportunity for really solid gains, taking advantage of the fluctuations and volatility that one experiences in the cannabis industry. 
And then my other portfolio is a lot more long-term. It's a much higher quality portfolio, looking for companies that you know, are hopefully gonna be the doyens of the industry, the backbone of the industry, and will dominate you know, your large indexes. And so spreading out the risk, and, and that's very important. And I think more important for, for everybody to always understand is that you must diversify any investment you make. So just because I've told you about my cannabis funds doesn't necessarily mean that that's the only investment I have. I have investments in property, investments in other businesses, investments in, in other you know, income generating stocks. So diversification is absolutely key. Plan what it is you, you know, you're interested in and you wanna do with it with your cash and then spread it out, have some fun and good luck for the next return. Nice one, Ren. Well, I think we started the show apologizing for the audio quality, so we'll have to apologize on Mark's behalf there for any uh, static that was coming through. But Unless we can take it out in editing <laughs> and then we don't apologize for anything. <laughs> <laughs> True. So what are your thoughts on that, Ren? I like, from my point of view, the fact that obviously he's addressing his debt again from a mortgage point of view, something that you and I haven't experienced yet. But I also like that he has two portfolios that he splits between one that is more short and medium term, probably a bit more riskier than his longer term portfolio. And I don't necessarily see the way that I invest. I don't really split in my mind. I don't have more than one portfolio as such. I don't know what you think about it, but I just split it in terms of, I guess, longer term investments and some that may pay off in the shorter term. Traditionally, I I haven't, but probably in the last six months, I've started thinking about splitting what I do into discretionary and non-discretionary. And the non-discretionary is your big ETFs, you know, your standard companies that I'm not I'm not planning to sell for forever, I guess really. And then discretionary may be some more shorter term investments where I'm trying to be a little bit more active. Part of the reason, this is completely off tax return, but given you asked the question, <laughs> part of the reason for me is I want to measure how I go in the active part of my portfolio against the like the non-discretionary, the the passive part, and if the passive part continually outperforms the active part, then that'll be a signal to me that I need to stop trying to make bets um, and just put it into longer-term stuff. But if I do outperform, then great. Or get better at making bets. Well, yeah, that's that's the other <laughs> alternative, yeah. And they're not bets, right? No, they're investments. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah, well, no, but I thought um thought what Mark said was good. I th- it was obviously more investing focused, but I think we're an investing podcast and if you pay down your debts and you're in a position to invest, I think what he was talking about around diversifying and all that is really important. Yeah, I agree. Well, that was a, a neat little summary of what we've done with our tax return and as you heard, what some of our Equity Mates community have also done with theirs. Hopefully, it's inspired you to have a think about perhaps what you would do differently with your return. It's not often that you get to get come into a nice sum of money depending on your situation. So, make the most of it when you get it, I guess is our message. And considering that we're all about investing on this side of the mics, throwing it into something that is going to grow over a longer period of time and, and work for you is probably something that we we both certainly consider, Ren. So always good to chat stocks and markets with you and looking forward to next episode. Sounds good. Equity mates and the people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. This is general advice only. 
please speak to a financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your individual situation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.